What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 180 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be breaking down week 11 in the NFL from a DraftKings perspective, going to be talking some slate specifics, what the Vegas Lions are telling us about the week, talk some chalk, and of course, leverage, stacks, and long shots, everything you need to know to have a chance at banking a tournament this week. If you are new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. You can also find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and live stream on Saturdays. Finally, our Discord channel is open, available, and the link to join that is in the description to the podcast. Joey, how are you feeling about week 11 at this point in the week? Feeling good. I think we have a couple interesting games that everybody is going to target, but just ready to uh, get into it and try and, you know, solve this week and and figure out the cash game construction and who we're going to play. All right. Well, let's start that off by taking a look at what Vegas is telling us about the slate. It is a 12 game main slate on DraftKings with nine games early and only three games in the afternoon. There are three games on the slate with a total of 50 or above. The top five implied team totals on the slate are Tampa Bay with 30 and a half, KC 29 and a half, Buffalo at 28 and a half, and then Cleveland and Tennessee splitting fourth and fifth place with 27 and a half each. What is standing out to you this week from a Vegas perspective? Yeah, what's standing out to me and what is going to stand out to the entire uh, DFS community is the Chiefs-Cowboys game. It is the premier game on the slate. Like you said, a total of 50, what, 56 points right now. The line is two and a half. So Vegas is projecting a close, high totaled game. And that's the game everybody is going to gravitate towards. But there's some other games that are looking pretty decent right now. You have the Colts and Bills game. You have the Cardinals and Seahawks game, which has a total of 50 and a half right now. Then you have some other good spots. Like you mentioned, Cleveland has a high total. Tennessee has a high total. So looking like a good week um, from a game perspective. It is. And it's looking like we have a lot of plays from games outside of these, which is going to set up for good leverage spots. If the week does play out the way that Vegas is projecting, looks like we're going to have some guys that maybe fly under the radar, but are in good position to score a lot of points. And we will get to that towards the end of the show when we talk about tournament strategy leverage stacks and long shots, but we are going to start off by taking a look at the projected chalk on the week and the players that we think are most viable in cash games. And I think that the only correct place to start here is with Christian McCaffrey, who is priced at 8,900 at the running back position. Yeah, I thought for sure he was going to be above 9K after his 26-point game in week 10. DraftKings decided to only give him a $500 price increase. So CMC fully healthy, has an elite role, obviously. You know, he's a different breed of fantasy player when healthy. I think he's who you start your cash game lineups with in week 11, and I don't think it gets much easier than that. Is there any concern with you with the expectation that Cam Newton, who we will talk about at quarterback, but it looks like he's going to be starting in this spot. We saw even last week in limited action that he was a factor at the goal line vulturing from CMC. Is that a concern for you and how that changes the Carolina offense? Although there have been periods of time where we've seen CMC be highly productive with Cam Newton at the helm. Yeah, I'm not too worried at all. Obviously, Cam Newton there kind of hurts the goal line equity that CMC has, but 
he's still one of the most utilized players in the NFL. And in 2019, when Cam Newton was the starter last for Carolina, that's when CMC had his record-breaking fantasy year. So we know that CMC can produce with Cam Newton at the helm, and we know that he's going to be you know, involved heavily in the passing game, especially if the concerns about Cam Newton's arm are true, what people think his arm is total dust. So if that's true, he's going to have to check the ball down quite a bit. And, you know, there's no better player to do that with than CMC. So not too concerned. And in my opinion, he is the best running back play on the slate this week. Some of the other guys I think we're going to be interested in for cash games include AJ Dillon, James Conner, Miles Gaskin, uh, DeAndre Swift is popping as a value early in the week. Who is your lean between these sort of guys and, and why? I think a lot of people are going to go into the James Conner, AJ Dillon tier this week. James Conner is 6,100. AJ Dillon is 6,200. And both obviously have pretty good price tags, especially on a week where we're probably going to want to play some of the higher priced receivers, especially in that Chiefs-Cowboys matchup. So we're going to have to pay down a little bit at a running back position. And A.J. Dillon, with no Aaron Jones there, going into Minnesota, you know, A.J. Dillon had 23 touches last week. And I would expect for him to be in that 18 to 22 range. And he plays well in the passing game for a bigger back. So I definitely love A.J. Dillon this week at 6,200. James Conner, 6,100. Had a down week last week, and I, th- I think we kind of predicted that, especially on the on the late night stream uh, when we talked about like Colt McCoy-led Cardinals offense, right? But if Kyler Murray's back, which hopefully he will be back in this spot against Seattle, I think James Conner could see 18 to 23 24 touches I would I would say or I will say that he'll probably lose some base work to Eno Benjamin but it's not enough to hurt him that much so James Conner 6100 I I think is a really good play but if I had to choose between the two I think I would prefer Dylan over Conner yeah I mean I think they're both super interesting I kind of agree with the Dylan point I just think that his workload is safer they really have absolutely nobody else to contend for touches in that backfield obviously you know Benjamin will be a factor but I don't think he'll be a big factor and just sort of like more from an overarching perspective I think that almost all of the Cardinals players are priced as if Kyler Murray is not going to be in there still. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is 6,500. James Conner, like you mentioned, only 6,100 in a great spot against a Seattle team that showed no life last week and should be a good game script for James Conner to eat and, and you know, continue to find the end zone as he has been all year. I like Miles Gaskin just for the game environment uh, going up against the league worst run defense in the Jets at 5,700. He's interesting. Tua should be back in this spot, which I think boosts the scoring expectation of all of those players. And then some of the other guys, I think both backs in the Detroit Cleveland game are going to be interesting. Nick Chubb is going to project well, massive favorites at home against the bad Detroit Lions run defense and then Swift coming off of a monster touch game, even if some of the other guys are back and relegate him into his usual role. That's still a very productive role to have at 7K on DraftKings. Yeah, DeAndre Swift, I think, is a pretty solid play. Obviously, we know that when the Lions are losing, DeAndre Swift is going to be in there and he's going to rack up a bunch of targets and catches, which is obviously valuable on DraftKings. And then Nick Chubb is 7,800. And personally, I have a hard time playing a guy that 
isn't going to be utilized in the passing game that much at a price tag that expensive. So I probably wouldn't consider him for cash games. But the spot is obviously one of the best on the slate going up against this Lions run defense that just gets obliterated by opposing running backs. So I don't mind Nick Chubb. DeAndre Swift is fine. Um, I, I think that A.J. Dillon and, and James Conner and even Miles Gaskin are probably better cash plays this week. Moving on to the quarterback position, I guess the big question is whether or not you can get away from Dak Prescott or Patrick Mahomes, both priced in the mid-range. Prescott is 7200 Mahomes 7600 and I mean, like you mentioned, this is just the clear-cut standout game of the week. No game environment is even really close, and they're not priced out of reach, so... I mean, are, are you going to be heavily considering getting out of that range, or are these guys just such good plays that, that they have to be considered the, the two only options? Yeah, I think these guys are the top two options on the slate, and if I had to pick who I prefer, it would probably be Mahomes, even though he's $400 more. Uh, he's projecting a little bit better right now, and I, I think the ceiling is just higher on Mahomes than Dak. So right now I prefer Mahomes, but obviously if I need the 400, Dak is a great option as well. And I I think it is definitely hard to get away from these two quarterbacks in this game total that has a 56 total right now. Definitely could be bet up by the time the game starts on Sunday at four o'clock. So I I don't know. I think there's only one other quarterback in play and that's Cam Newton, who's 5,100. And I haven't really built any lineups or anything, so I don't know if the construction, you know, calls for you to pay down at quarterback if you need to save salary. But 5,100 going up against the pass funnel in Washington, he has rushing touchdown upside, has rushing upside in general, obviously. One of the best rushing quarterbacks ever in Cam Newton. I I think he's interesting and I wouldn't fault anybody for going that route. And honestly, you know, who knows by Sunday, I, I might play him in cash. Do you think it's a factor that he's going up against the head coach and Ron Rivera on the other side <laughs> of the ball that like knows him best and knows his strengths and weaknesses that that kind of I think is like a factor that we have to consider for this game. Well, I would I would just say it's no, it, it's a revenge game for Cam Newton. He's with his old team. He was cut by Ron Rivera, the team that he's facing. And now he's has the most talent that he's ever had in his entire career in one of the best offensive systems, I think Cam Newton is is probably going to come out and just want to obliterate this Washington defense that also lost Chase Young. So you take an already bad defense, you take out their best player going into Carolina road game, coming off of, you know, a statement win against the Bucs. This is just setting up to be a complete letdown spot for the Washington football team. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Cam is super interesting this week, and there are so many high-priced options on this slate that stand out that I think he is very seriously in cash game consideration, but obviously Dak and Mahomes stand out for the game environment aspect that we already discussed. That'll be an interesting thing to take into account as the week goes on, and we'll definitely touch on that this Saturday on the late night live stream. At the wide receiver position, who are you expecting to be the most owned and the most utilized in cash games? Yeah, so I think at the top of the wide receiver pool, we have Tyreek and Devontae Adams, who I think are both relatively cheap. Devontae Adams is 8,400. Tyreek Hill is 8,200. And obviously, these guys are just elite fantasy players. Devontae Adams, he's been getting targets, 
but we haven't really seen a blow up game in you know about a month now so I think he's due for a big game going up against a Vikings defense that has a bunch of injuries and I think he will have some ownership but I don't know if he's going to be more owned than Tyreek in this spot so definitely could be a good GPP play if his ownership comes in less than Tyreek Hill but Tyreek 8200 at home against the Cowboys you know you could pretty much pencil him him in for 10 plus targets and it's a good spot you know slate breaking upside anytime Tyreek Hill touches the field so I think those are the top two guys that everybody is going to look to play this weekend. I, I think they're both great plays. And if I had to pick one, I don't, I don't know. I, honestly, I think they're pretty even. It's just Devontae's 200 more. So maybe that 200 comes into play. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's Tyreek Hill. I think that, I mean, like you said, the targets have been there for Adams. And we can't really knock him for the lack of production during the Jordan Love start. But the game environment to me, it's just not even comparable. We're talking about a division game between the Vikings and the Packers. The Vikings are getting back some of their star defensive players that have been out in recent weeks. And just the target numbers are so encouraging on Tyreek Hill. He's got one game since week four with under 10 targets, and that was a nine target performance. The floor is so high on him. And, you know, honestly, it's been since week four that he's had over a hundred yards receiving just with the target numbers that he's been getting. I think that that has to regress a little bit in a positive light. So, I mean, the spot for Tyreek Hill is just so good. He's definitely the high priced option that I would be prioritizing. And then I think we look a little bit down towards the mid range for some of the other wide receivers. We're going to be playing in cash. And the two that stand out to me, say below 6,500 would be Amari Cooper for, you know, exposure to the game environment. And that price tag is really solid for a player like Cooper and Brandon Cooks, who the usage is, you know, very encouraging for. And as, as much as the Tennessee Titans have been dominant from an NFL perspective, their, their secondary still leaves quite a bit to be desired. Yeah, I definitely think Amari Cooper is going to have quite a bit of ownership. He's 6,200 and really he's like the cheapest. Cowboys player that you know you could feel comfortable running in cash I mean Gallup is a little bit cheaper than Cooper like what 2,000 cheaper I don't know if I would go to Gallup but Cooper 6,200 I think he's a smash this week and Brandon Cooks you know like he always projects well but he never comes in with ownership just because people don't want to play the Texans offense and usually I find myself not playing Cooks but he's going to project well every single week. And obviously, he's going to have a great target share in that Texans offense. Just obviously, the concern is the touchdown upside with the Texans. And I, I don't know. He'll probably come 15 to 20% owned like he does every single time he's on the main slate. I don't think he's a must play. He's solid. But there's definitely some risk with rostering a Houston Texan in 2021. Yeah, and I think the same goes for a player like Corey Davis, who I, I expect to project well as well at 5K. His targets have been super solid. He's got five straight weeks with six or more targets, um, only one below seven. So, I mean, Corey Davis is interesting against a pretty weak Miami secondary. And in that same range, T. Higgins, for you know the millionth week in a row, is going to project well at 5,400 just due to his usage. I guess the, just, the question question with T Higgins is can he finally score over 13 points <laughs> he's been between 13.2 and 13.8 points for three straight weeks yeah I think T Higgins is definitely going to be chalk for sure 
5400 it's a good price tag and he's you know one of the most talked about players in fantasy like in terms of his opportunity not equaling you know his production and he's the most targeted Bengals wide receiver when all three are healthy it's just he hasn't got touchdowns right it's been Jamar Chase it's been CJ Uzoma it's been Joe Mixon so if T Higgins scores a touchdown and it's a good spot going up against the Raiders he's obviously a great play and you know, I'll probably play him in cash, to be honest. In terms of these 5K guys like Corey Davis, I mean, Elijah Moore, whatever. Yeah, they're they're going to project well or project decently, I think. But it is still a Joe Flacco-led offense now. He's confirmed starting. And the Dolphins' defense, after getting torched earlier in the year uh, through the air due to some injuries, they're fully healthy in the secondary now. And I think they've been playing really well. You know, they played Lamar Jackson well in the past game. They played Josh Allen tough. Um, obviously, they played the Texans. That's that's not hard to stop the Texans. But I think they're coming into form on defense. And with Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, you know, and the safeties that they have, Javon Holland, I, I think their secondary is better than what people think it is. So if people play these Jets wide receivers in cash, or in GPPs, period, I think you're just going to be burning money. Yeah, no, that's definitely a good observation in the way that their defense has been trending. And, I mean, that's enough for me. Like, I'm just not going to play a Jets wide receiver. Uh, that feels very yeah. simple, <laughs> simple, smart, and easy. Um, let's, let's not burn that money. At the tight end position, it's a little bit tough this week. Some of the guys that we've been targeting on a week-to-week basis have gotten price increases. Tyler Conklin is almost 4K. Dan Arnold is 4.1, and these are the guys that have had really strong target shares that we've been interested in, but it feels like it's going to be hard to get up to that range. It's almost impossible to play a tight end over 4K in cash games on DraftKings in the current era of DFS, so I think we are going to be looking in the same price range that we have been all year. Gerald Everett is projecting as a value, and I think Cole Komet stands out as well at 3,400. Justin Fields playing better. As of late, he's had six or more targets in three straight games, and the Ravens have been getting torched by tight ends all season long. Yeah, the Ravens are a tight end funnel you know they did lock up Mike Jasicki last week which was surprising to say the least but they give up the fourth most catches to opposing tight ends they give up over 17 DraftKings points per game so Cole Komet is going to project really well in this spot at 3,400, and I think he is the preferred cash game tight end. You mentioned Gerald Everett, who was 3,100, saw eight targets coming out of the Seahawks by, I think that is just a clear-cut anomaly. Mm -hmm. This isn't an eight-target player. I think he's a three-to-five-target guy at best in the Seahawks offense. I think Cole Komet, who has seen 20 targets over the last three games, 25 targets over the last four is the best cash game tight end play this week on DraftKings. But I think the question is, will people pay up to Travis Kelsey this week at 7,100? In cash games, I I don't see I don't see that happening. I mean, maybe he'll be like 10%, 15%. There's always a Kelsey crowd out there. There's always a crowd of the, people. The Kelsey crowd is big. It, it's it's a big crowd. Don't ever underestimate that. Do, do you know who the Kelsey crowd is in DK cash games? <laughs> I don't. It's the same 19% of people that faded Dearness Johnson last week in cash. <laughs> now there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of popular DFS guys 
that play Kelsey and Cash, I think, that that have like popular podcasts and whatnot right. that, that talk about Travis Kelsey being a cash game play. You know, I'm never paying up for a tight end in cash games ever. I mean, in GPPs either, like just never doing it. But there is a crowd of DraftKings users that play Travis Kelsey no matter what. And I think he'll probably come in 15 to 18% owned in cash this week. Mm. 7,100, great game environment. And people are just going to, you know, use this projection and, and make him a priority in cash over playing, you know, a scrub like Cole Komet. I mean, I get it. I get it from a projection standpoint, but it just, it could never be me. Like I will take my eight points out of my $3,400 tight end over 20 points out of Kelsey at 7,100. 10 out of 10 times, just because of what I think you're giving up at running back and wide receiver when you make that call. Yeah, I don't know. Never, never going to be me. I get it for tournaments, though. I, I Especially in this spot, I don't want to say Kelsey's a bad play. It's just I think it's a bad way to go about constructing your roster on DraftKings and cash games in 2021. It's about that that simple for me. Let's move on to tournament strategy, leverage, stacks, and long shots. How, Joey, do you plan to get leverage on the field this week? I mean, the easiest way to get leverage is to not play the Cowboys and Chiefs. Yeah. Right? But that doesn't seem like good leverage in my opinion. <laughs> uh, definitely doesn't. But, you know, we saw earlier in the year, I think it was... Was it was it the Cowboys and Chargers game or Chiefs Chargers or or some or one of those games where a lot of the players were projecting very well in the game and the game ended up busting? I think it was Cowboys Chargers earlier in the season. So there there's definitely a possibility that this game busts, right? Dallas defense has been playing tough. Maybe they can stop Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs defense has been playing really well over the last couple of weeks too. So Maybe this could end up being a defensive battle. Obviously, I'm not projecting that, but that's kind of the way that this game busts. And, you know, if you want leverage, you fade the chalk guys in this game and just go with the low on guys. But it's looking like everyone in this game is going to come with ownership. Yeah. Right. Literally everybody, you know, maybe besides like Lamb will probably be uh, less chalky than some of the other players in this game because he's 7,600. He's what, 600 below Tyreek. 800 below Devonta Adams and this whole range of wide receivers that he's in I think is always kind of like that dead range in terms of ownership where all these guys are going to come in between five and ten percent so lamb is probably the leverage piece that you want to play if you want to get different in this game and that Gallup as well who's 4200 so a Dak to CD and Michael Gallup stack with Tyreek or, or Travis Kelsey on the bring back seems good from you know, ownership leverage standpoint. I agree. And I think you can expand that list to guys like Dalton Schultz and any of the other ancillary Chiefs players that catch your interest. Another way that we can get leverage, which kind of goes directly into stacks, I think is just by game stacking other games, because this, this Chiefs Dallas game is going to be so popular that if you devote, you know, four pieces of your lineup to another game stack, I think you're going to be getting relatively different already. And there are some games I think with Mm -hmm. good scoring potential that are going to go under owned. We talked about some of the pieces from that Cincinnati Vegas game but that game has a total of 50 as well and I think that you know stacking Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase Chase is priced really highly this week at 7200 I think people would rather find their way up to CD and get exposure to that game or pay all the way up to Tyreek or Adams so like I like that stack that's a super high upside stack as we just saw the Vegas defense can get absolutely obliterated and I think Cincinnati can be a team that does that as well so I like that and I like taking shots 
on the Arizona-Seattle game and sort of associating what we saw out of Russell Wilson last week as an anomaly, although it's obviously possible that he just flat out came back too early from his injury and he's not 100%, but you know, Russell Wilson at 6,500 and his pass catching options coming down in price, lock it all the way down to 6K. DK Metcalf still at 6,800. I mean, that's a cheap double stack. And the bringbacks are more affordable than they've ever been, like James Conner, who we already talked about, and DeAndre Hopkins at 6,500. So I, I like going to these sort of high upside, low owned stacks. And I think that there are quite a few of them this week. Yeah, definitely. I think that is a viable strategy for sure, especially if you want to play the chalk guys from that Cowboys and Chiefs game, right? You could play, you know, a Tyree Kill. Uh, Amari Cooper correlation and and that's going to be chalky but you surround it with a contrarian game stack I think that makes all the sense in the world and a couple minutes ago Adam Schefter actually tweeted that Kyler Murray is pretty close to coming back so I think Kyler Murray is going to start in this spot and like you mentioned the the Cardinals uh, skill position players are as cheap as they have ever been this season. And DeAndre Hopkins, who's 65, James Conner is 61. And then obviously you got like Christian Kirk and, and Rondale Moore who are cheap. So definitely like targeting that game. And, you know, Tyler Lockett had his eruption game last year against the Cardinals. Maybe he has another eruption game against them this season. And we obviously know that he's a very boomer bust player. And at 6K, I mean, he it's just a very cheap price tag for Tyler Lockett. So I definitely like him this week in tournaments. Yep. A couple other tournament notes that I have. I think that DJ Moore is interesting this week. He's priced at 5,900 around a bunch of guys that we've already talked about. Lockett, like you just said, but Brandon Cooks and Amari Cooper, who we're expecting to come with quite a bit of ownership. I don't think DJ Moore gets highly owned in this spot, but it is a really strong spot for him. And that's a very cheap stack if you want to play Cam Newton without Christian McCaffrey and go you know, Cam to DJ Moore with like a Terry McLaurin type bring back. And I think that that is very interesting this week as leverage off of CMC, who's going to be highly owned. And I don't know this for sure. Like, you know, we talked about Devontae Adams potentially having ownership. So I could be way off with this and this could be, you know, invalid by like tomorrow if if Adams is projecting to be a really highly owned piece. But I think with Tyreek Hill up in that range and AJ Dillon is stone chalk, we could have sort of a reverse situation where, you know, usually Adams is the chalk and we play the Green Bay running back as leverage off of that. But it could be sort of the opposite situation where Dylan is chalk and Tyreek Hill is absorbing the high priced wide receiver ownership and we get Adams at a discount. And that would be a really interesting spot from a GPP perspective as well. Yeah, I definitely love Adams this week, especially if we can get an ownership discount on him. I think it is an eruption spot for Devontae Adams with no Aaron Jones there. And then, like you mentioned, A.J. Dillon is going to be chalked. If we get Adams at, let's say, like 10 to 15% ownership, I mean, he's just a total smash in tournaments. And I, I love Adams this week. I'm definitely going to play a lot of Adams. But yeah, I, I think in terms of stacks and leverage, it's a fairly simple week, right? If you want to get the most leverage on the field, you game stack one of these other games and then you just fill in the rest of your lineup with you know many correlations of the Cowboys and Chiefs game if you want you know leverage on the field and some of these stacks have just as much upside as the Chiefs and, and Cowboys stack in my opinion like Josh Allen to Diggs right Josh Allen to Diggs has a very large ceiling you know probably yeah. one of the highest on the slate that's going to go on their own obviously it's very expensive but I think we have some value on the slate to fill in the rest of your lineup and 
I like that a lot. And and like you mentioned, Joe Burrow and uh, Jamar Chase and, and T. Higgins. I, I definitely like stacking up the Bengals offense. And, you know, nobody's going to play Lamar Jackson, who's 8K. And then you have Hollywood Brown, who's 7,100. I mean, he's pretty expensive. But Rashad Bateman is what? Rashad Bateman is 4,500. Mark Andrews is 6, 6K. So you got you got some other double stacks and single stacks that have very high upside that nobody is going to play this week. I think it makes for a great GPP week. It does, and I'm really interested to see how things progress over the rest of the week, and we'll definitely be talking about that on the YouTube channel this week and on the late night Saturday live stream. Yeah, so one of my favorite long shots is a cheap running back by the name of Dante Foreman. He's 4,900 at home against the Houston Texans, who have one of the worst rush defenses in the NFL. He outtouched Adrian Peterson 13 to 9, and he just looked more explosive than AP. I mean, that's not hard to do since Adrian Peterson is 36 years old trying to play in the NFL. Dude just needs to hang the cleats up. Mm. But it's a revenge game for Foreman. I think it's a pretty good spot. I think he's going to be utilized even more as long as Derrick Henry is not there. And he's looking to be the Titans RB1 at this point. So give me Dante Foreman, 4,900 as my favorite long shot GPP running back play of the week. And honestly, I think he's going to get steamed a little bit, but I don't think he'll come in over 10% owned. Is is he going to be steamed or people on that this week? I've seen a lot of talk about him, you know, in terms of like redraft fantasy and, and like he's one of the best waiver wire ads. Mm. Like him and Jeff Wilson, I, I've seen talked about a lot on fantasy Twitter this week. And Jeff Wilson is 5,100. If Eli Mitchell is out, he broke his finger apparently, couldn't miss this week against Jacksonville. So I think Jeff Wilson and Dante Foreman are both cheap running backs that I would sprinkle in some in, in GPPs as as long shots. But if Eli Mitchell is out, I could definitely see Jeff Wilson getting steamed a little bit as well. I mean, yeah, going up against Jacksonville, especially after the 49ers played incredibly well in prime time. I mean, he could be, you know, chalk by the end of the week. So, yeah, I think that about sums things up from a tournament perspective. Obviously, it's still early in the week and we'll have a lot more to say come Saturday. But for now, let's close out the show with our best bets of week 11 went three out of four between both of us last week. And let's keep the hot streak going. Yeah, so one of my favorite bets this week is Carolina minus three and a half. I mean, I talked about it when talking about Cam Newton, but the Panthers have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Washington just lost their best defensive player coming off of, you know, an emotional statement win against the Bucks. Now they have to travel into Carolina to face what I think is one of the more talented offenses in the NFL when fully healthy and one of the best defenses in the NFL this season. Give me the Panthers minus three and a half. It doesn't fit the criteria that I mentioned on the last podcast, but I definitely like that spread a lot. Another bet that I like this week is Miami minus three. Is that is that even correct that like they're minus three against the Jets? Give me that. They're they're gonna cover that easily against Joe Flacco and, and company. Yeah, man. I mean, that's really encouraging to hear because I had both of those written down as well. I mean, Miami, they've got Tua coming back and Joe Flacco starting for all the reasons you mentioned about Miami's defense improving. That just that line makes absolutely no sense to me. I know it's Miami and, you know, betting on Miami as favorites is probably not the most optimal thing. 
generally, but this spot is just so good for them. So yeah, I like that. And Carolina, I'm, I'm going to tail that as well, just for all the reasons you mentioned, you know, Cam Newton revenge game. Washington just lost Chase Young. Their defense was already ass. So yeah, I, I like both of those. Cam Newton's back. I don't know if you heard, but uh, Cam Newton is back. <laughs> and then I do have one more written down. I'm going three this week. I also like Arizona plus two and a half. Um, I think that line would be a lot larger if we had confirmation on Kyler Murray's status, just with the way that Russell Wilson played last week. I don't think they get shut out by any stretch, but you know, Murray coming back healthy should put up a ton of points on the Seattle defense. And if, if Russ is not a hundred percent yet, it should just be a much wider spread than it currently is. So I, I think that they can win this game by three points or more pretty easily. Yeah, I definitely like that, especially if Kyler Murray's in. And I think there's a legitimate concern with Russ that he came back a little too early and could definitely be affecting him in the weeks to come. So I definitely like the Cardinals as well. All right. Well, that is going to be it for this week's edition of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I am at Ben Hover. Joey is at Joey Carrion DFS. For more Week 11 NFL DFS content, you can check out our YouTube channel at the DFS Dose, where we post multiple videos per week and live stream every Saturday evening. To everybody listening out there, just know that we appreciate you. We value you. Till next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.